I just want us to bow our heads for prayer real quick before we start the word. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to receive from you this morning. Thank you because the entrance of your word gives life, it gives understanding. Thank you, Father, because we are here for such a time as this and because you have a word for us. We ask that you open our hearts, you open our ears, and help us to receive from you this morning. Give me grace for utterance, oh God. Let everything that I say this morning be of you and you alone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Okay, people just woke up. What? Um... So good morning. I'm so glad to be here. It's been a couple weeks since I've been home, so as you can imagine, I'm pretty excited to be here. And of course, PJ had to use the opportunity to take a break from preaching. So um, you have me this morning. Um, uh, The last couple of weeks have been one of the most interesting weeks of my life. Um, Some of you probably know that I have been working on a degree for a couple years now. And um, I mean, if you're in school, there's always this thing about like the end point, right? That you're going to end one day and it's going to happen. But then you also convince yourself there's no work that you have to do to get to that end point, right? We get in, we get an admission, we're so excited, we celebrate, we share the testimony. But the in-between, we try not to think about it. Because all we are really interested in is that we're done, right? But then there's all of this, life happens, classes happen, professors happen, you know, friends happen, disappointments happen, frustration happens, and all of this in the journey to the end point. And for me, it was always like this end point was like really far away, like, oh my gosh, it's in the future. And then reality came crashing down when I was told that the end point might not happen (laughs) if I did not get my dissertation in by a certain day. And I want to tell you, because I should be sharing this as a testimony, as a different part, but I decided to share this as part of my message because I feel like it ties to what I'm going to be talking about this morning. Anyway, so in my mind, I had a few months or whatever to work on this major paper. And I don't like research. I'm not a big fan of research. So if you've seen that I've been going to school, it's not because I love to study or love to read. (laughs) It's because I have to do it. (laughs) Um, At least if I want to be in the profession that I want to do. But when it came time to apply for my graduation, so they only do graduation once a year in my school. And so if you're going to be in that graduation, it doesn't necessarily mean you've finished all your coursework, but they expect that you've gotten to a certain point so you can walk, right? And I had that in mind, and I was still like, oh, I'll push my paper forward, whatever. Um, but then I called my school that I couldn't apply. The online system wasn't letting me apply. It said I'm not qualified to graduate. I was like, what? I am so qualified to graduate. I am so ready to graduate. What are you talking about? And so they said, oh, there's one more thing that you haven't done. And if you don't do that, you can't participate in this year's graduation. And so it was my dissertation, which was supposed to, in my mind, not be ready till July. But they said I had to get it in March 31st. 
Meanwhile, I called March 20th. <laughs> 10 days? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, I told the lady on the phone, I was like, wait, 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 you don't understand. Like, that's literally 10 days from now. She's like, I'm sorry, it's strict rules. This has to be in, otherwise you have to wait till next year. I, in short, I had to pull the Nigerian card in me. I said, look, look, you don't understand. My parents, my parents have bought their tickets to come from. You don't tell a Nigerian parent that they came all the way. They've told all their friends their child is graduating. And then they will not graduate. I said, please, is there anything? And she said, oh, I'm sorry. I, there's nothing I can do. This is the graduate office. You have to call your department, see if they can work with you. At this point, I, I finished that phone call and... There was like a knot in my chest. It was so, like, I couldn't even breathe. I almost went into like a panic attack. I was like, oh my God, like, what? And I was shaking and I was in my office and I just said, God, what do I do? God, what do I do? Because the first thing that came to my mind was it's impossible. I, like, 10 days I couldn't do it. And second of all, getting an extension just seemed impossible. And I just heard the Holy Spirit like tell me. And sometimes when you're in that panic state, you have to also listen because sometimes God wants to tell you something in that moment. And I just heard like the Holy Spirit in my heart, um, not like a voice in my office, in my heart. Because <laughs> some of you confused when you say we are hearing from God. Um, just say, just make that call. You don't know what will happen. Just make the call. So I call my department. And the head of the department was not available. The person I spoke to said, oh, I'm sorry, yeah, no, sorry, we can't do that. I said, no, I want to talk to the head of the department. Long story short, when I called him and I told him what happened, of course, his initial reaction was, even if I gave you the extension, I can't give you an extension by much. And it's still not going to be enough. I said, sir, whatever you can give me, I'll take he said, you know, we've not done this for any other student. I said, I'm not every other student. I am a different student. If you've not done it, I, there's always a first. <laughs> and this is me on the phone. And the man said, you know what? Okay. I'll give you to April the 15th. Let's see what you can do in that time. Three weeks to start and end a dissertation. <laughs> Even that still felt like impossible. But I said, God, you know what? You gave me this favor. I don't want to take it for granted. I'm going to walk through this. I'm going to walk with this and trust you all the way. And I kept asking God for strength. <laughs> Guys, sometimes I was sitting in front of my computer. And I want to walk, but I'm so anxious. I'm so worried that my thoughts aren't coming together. I'm trying to put something down. I'm trying to research. Re I'll be reading papers and it'll be like, a, it's just blurry in front of my eyes like, but somehow, some way, I don't know how it happened. I also wasn't lazy, guys, because you have to recognize that when God gives you something, he doesn't expect that you then sit back and let him do the work. You do your part, and he'll do the rest. And I told God, I said, I know I have April the 15th, but my goal is to have it ready, submitted, and signed by April the 12th. When I called my advisor, who was also my major com my committee head or whatever for my dissertation, she said, Faith is impossible. She said, I don't, you have kids, you have internship, you're working like full time, like, it's not possible. 
I told her, I said, you just work with me. When I send you stuff, send me feedback quickly so that I can continue working. But God used her. My second reader last week called me and told me, Faith, I'm so sorry. I know you have a time crunch, but I can't be your second reader anymore. I have to back out. I was like, how do you expect me to find a second reader? A week to my submission date. It's not, like nobody's gonna be willing to do that for me. I called my first reader, she said, you know what? Just call the head of department again. <laughs> you know, see what he says. I don't know what, how to help you, you need two readers. Long story short, my head of department replied and said, I'll be your second reader, send me whatever you got. So, some way, somehow, through God's mercies, I submitted <laughs> a full-blown, guys, even, even when I finished printing it, I said, I wrote all this. I don't know how it happened, but I submitted on April the 12th with three days to spare. And it, when I submitted, it was just like, God, I couldn't even say this was me. I couldn't say this was me because my, my, my advisor was like, Faith, I have to tell you. She kept saying, this is so impressive. She said, it's not just that you got this done in such a short time. The content of the work. She said, you know, I know your brain is full right now, but give yourself one week to rest and we'll talk about publishing. I said, what? She said, you're an amazing writer. We need to publish this. You know? And I just give all the, but what is the point of all this? I was not in any way qualified for that level of work. I'm not even qualified for where I am in life. I'm not qualified to be a doctoral student. I think about many of the other people in my program and how much experience and work they've put into this. I've gone to classes without reading one material and literally sitting down there. And because, I mean, I have three kids. Where do I have time to read six articles before a class? Like I used to, I'll see the syllabus sometimes, I'll be like, <laughs> Sorry, they must be talking to somebody else, not me. Because I don't have the time for this. And I will still go to class. And I will sit through class. Sometimes I'm so sleepy. I am so tired. I don't even have the strength to even participate. And participation is a major grade. So my technique was, I would listen to everybody sharing their stuff. <laughs> and then, take one point from here, take one point from And by the time I share my contribution, oh my god. You would have thought I read all the articles. You know, but all because of grace. I don't take it for granted. So today when PJ was telling me this is what he wanted me to talk about, I said, I don't feel like there's any point in my life where I can preach this any better than now. God of the unqualified. You know, many of us right now, you think about yourself and you think about many of the things you want to do with your life, and the first thing that comes to your mind is, I'm not qualified for this. I don't think I can do it, it's not possible. Before God even tells you how to get there, you've already put all the roadblocks, you put all the barriers, you say, God, you know, I don't think that's possible, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't school here, I was not born here, my, my, you know, my English is not that good, you know, um, there's all of these reasons why I'm not good enough for what you have for me. So most of the time it's like, we forget that promotion and lifting is not from us. 
Your qualification, it's not you that qualifies yourself, it's God. It's not you. If it was left to just you, you would not be able to thrive in this environment. I, I mean, not all of us are born here in the US. Many of us are foreign born. So if we're talking about, oh, this thing needs to be inbred in whatever, it was not in your blood. The way that they even do it back in, in your country is different. Your parents' blood, let's even say you were born here, you still have your parents' blood, the Nigerian, African, Ghanaian, Cameroonian blood flowing through you. So if it's about being qualified, many of us are not, not even by our physical makeup. But it's God that qualifies. We limit God on, based on what we think we are good enough for, rather than what God thinks is good enough for us. You limit God that, oh, I'm not good enough for this, so therefore I'm not even going to try. But God is saying, you are good enough for so much more. I made you. I know what I put inside of you. You just let me do my work. You just rely on me. But most times we already think that we're not good enough for it. We're often satisfied with where we are rather than where God wants us to be. You say, well, I've gotten to this point. Man, it's better than some people, so I might as well just be satisfied with this. Meanwhile, there's so much more. There's a bigger place and a greater place that God wants to take you to. If you read the Bible, God is full of choosing people that were not qualified for major assignments. From Genesis all the way to Revelation. In short, it always feels very weird to me because God will see people that are qualified like this and say, I don't want you. I want this one. The story of David is one we know. When God was going to send Samuel to his family, of course, Samuel being a human being like all of us, he had certain characteristics, right, that he thought would make other people qualified for what God wanted. God was looking for someone to anoint as king. Now, if you think about a king, do you or do you not want someone qualified for the job to be there? Oh, yeah. I mean, even if they told you to elect an official, sometimes they're looking at, is this person qualified or not? Right? And then someone goes there, and they bring all the people that are presumed qualified. You know, the, the weird thing about David's story is that even his father didn't think he was qualified. The father didn't even bother mentioning that he had one son in the field. He just brought out the five elder ones that the father thought, you know, I've done a good job with these ones. They are older, they have the physical ability, they've been to war, they have military experience. So therefore, they should be the ones to lead. They should be the ones that we could call, you know, king. But what God was saying was, no. And eventually, God had to tell someone, it's not by any of these ones. The one I'm looking for is the least among them. He doesn't even seem qualified, but he's the one that can do the job. So God does not look for people who are qualified. So if that's the first thing that you're thinking about, then guess what? You are way off the mark. Who qualifies you? Who qualifies you? Colossians 1.12. Colossians 1.12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us 
to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Giving thanks to the Father. That's God. He's the one who qualifies us for our inheritance. Is it divine health? Most of you know you don't take care of your health as good as some people. If it's food, if it's exercise, you don't even have the time to do any of those things. Yet, you're not in the hospital. Some people are in the gym every day. They have early morning five-mile runs, you know, while you, you are still snoozing in your bed. They are eating only veggies, no carbs. You know, they, they eat lean meat and nothing fatty. They've got it down to a science. But that doesn't mean they don't have heart attacks. That doesn't mean they don't have cancer. That doesn't mean that they're not in psychiatric wards. So you come here and you tell me you don't serve a God that qualifies you despite your deficiencies? I'll read from 2 Corinthians 3, from verse 5 to 6. And this is from the Amplified Version. And it says, Not that we are fit, qualified, and sufficient in ability, of ourselves to form personal judgments or to claim or count anything as coming from us. But our power and ability and sufficiency are from God. It is he who has qualified us, making us to be fit and worthy and sufficient as ministers and dispensers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ, not ministers of the letter, but of the spirit, for the code of the law kills, but the Holy Spirit makes alive. He said, not that we are fit, not that we are qualified, not that we are sufficient in ability, but it is God who does what? Qualifies us. Many of you, you see a job posting, and guess what, I'm in the, I'm in the period now now that my brain is free to start looking for work, best believe I will be looking for work I'm not qualified for. Guess what? Because over and over again, God has shown me it's not about my ability. It's not. I recently, one of my friends graduated in one year, became a director of a mental health facility. And my question was, ah, which experience do you have? Director. We all are, you know, she's like one year ahead of me, so she graduated before me, and I was literally like, I know how our field works. It takes like five to ten years experience to talk about being a director. And she was like, I saw the posting. They said psychologist. <laughs> Am I not a psychologist? <laughs> and, I, and I applied. And she got the job, guys, as a director. I'm skipping ten years, man. I don't want to be sitting down and be doing no experience. I need to get to where I'm going on. I've spent too much time in school. But that's, that's the thing. Many of us will see that. We see the qualifications they want. They require. Me, I just look at education. Once they say they want this degree, I have the degree. Go on. Because that's me relying not on my qualification. That's me relying on God to qualify me. God can change any criteria for your sake. Wasn't I made an exception for? They told me it was a hard deadline. 
Sometimes even the school you want to go to, they told you application has closed. Go and apply. Who told you they don't still need a couple people? They might still need a couple people. You might say, oh, the deadline has passed. They have enough application. No. That's not enough. Because God changes times and seasons. He's the owner of time. He's the owner of the heart of man. He steers the heart of kings. He turns it around. There's nothing you want to tell me that God can't change in your favor. But he expects you to step out in faith first. You do your part. And one of the things I kept relying on was God. You know. You know I've served you. Some of you here, you can't claim that. Oh. You can't. No. They tell you to come to church. Oh, it's not convenient. It's Sunday morning. That's like the only day I have. I have classes the next day. Like you're already giving God all these reasons why. And then when it's your own turn and you need something from him. And God says, do this, do that, and the other. Oh, God, now. But I'm your child now. Just this once, do it for me. What have you done? Have you done your own part? But I want to talk about three things that get in the way of us experiencing this God of the unqualified, of us experiencing God's qualification in our lives. The first thing is pride. Pride means you tell yourself you can do it on your own. You don't need anybody. Amen. Ah, you know, I went to this school. I went to that school. You know, I was this uh, senior leader of my student government. You know, you'll be listing all your qualification. Pride. Because you think that that's what is going to open that door for you. All of that still makes you unqualified. Because guess what? You might be going to a place where there are more people <laughs> with more than that. But sometimes our pride is the first thing that we present before God. It's like, once I've, I, I, now I have this figured out, I can take care of it. So you are basically telling God, you are a second option. If this doesn't work. And that's why we, we are faced with applying for so many things, trying so many things, nothing is working out, and you're like, God, why? But I'm qualified for this. But you know, I, I've worked hard. I can do this. And God is telling you, who makes the unqualified qualified? You're telling me what you can do? Are you in those rooms when they make the decision? Is it your voice that's heard there? Are you the one that can go into their heart and convince them to take you? You're just a person on paper. You're just a name on paper. And to not make it worse for you, sometimes your name, they can't even pronounce it. Before they even, once they can't pronounce it, they'll just say, ah, sorry. Experience or not, I'm sorry. If I work with this person, I can't call his name, so. Yeah. But... Is it not God that can go there and tell them, ah, name, what is name? Don't worry, you will be able to say it. He will teach you how to say it. You just give him the job. Right? But you need, see, I always say it, I need an insider. When I'm applying to places, I tell God, you're my insider. I don't know anybody in there. I don't have connection. I don't have, and God always surprises me because even the things that I think, that I'm not able to get. Somehow, God makes it happen. Because if you are relying on your connection, your education, your experience, those are limited. So let's not allow pride to get in the way. First Peter 5, 5 to 6 says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may what? 
That he may what? Okay. Then I like the scripture because it refers to younger people. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. <laughs> right? Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud. But he gives grace to whom? He gives grace to the humble. Once God sees pride in your heart, there's a resistance. Because immediately he says, this one is in competition with me. And God will not compete with anybody. He will not share his glory with anyone. So the moment you start to toot your own horn, exalt yourself, make yourself seem good, then God says, nope. You've, you've figured it out. Take care of it yourself. I'm going to step out and help someone who is relying on me. That's God. Second one, doubt. Many of us, we start with faith, but we don't end with faith. We let doubt step in at some point. We let our insecurities step in. I know many times I've told myself, I, <laughs> I would look at myself sometimes in the mirror, I'll be like, I'm not qualified to be a wife. I'm not qualified to be a mother. <laughs> I'm not qualified. I mean, I've heard people say, oh, you know, uh, you know, all those things, marriage, children, it's in the future. I don't even think, I can't even take care of myself. How will I take care of another person? Because all of a sudden, you're thinking that you have to be the one to do the work to qualify for these roles. But God gives grace. He gives grace. You get the position, he gives you grace. You become a wife, he gives you grace. You become a, a husband, he gives you grace. You're not just doing this on your own power. God always gives grace. But we meet God with doubt. Say, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. It's not possible. One of the hardest things for me was balancing life and school. Being all of these things and still being a student. But at some point, I had to realize it wasn't even by me or my own power. Even though I wasn't qualified for all these roles that I had, God had given me the grace. But doubt, whenever doubt came in, was whenever, that was when I experienced anxiety. Every time I doubt God, I start to panic. I get very anxious. Because at that point, immediately doubt kicks God out and puts you in his place. But you also know your limitations, right? So once you realize that you're limited, what happens? You become very anxious. I can't do this. It's not possible. Because with doubt, you basically kicked God, what? Out. So James 1, 6 to 8, he says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Let not that man, that's the man who's doubting, suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. See, that, that's just doubt, oh, and you have become double-minded. You're unstable. Because God wants our faith, even as tiny as a mustard seed. That's all he requires of us. The last thing is Distractions. And when I was thinking about distractions, what I really wanted to put is market noise. You know, in, 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 
Where I come from in Nigeria, they'll call it market noise. I can't say it in Yoruba because many of you can't understand. But basically what he's saying is distractions. You are distracted by so many things. So many things. Oh, shoot. My friend that we went to school together, she already has this nice job. And I'm still here. You get distracted. You say, oh, man, look at these people's picture on social media, driving their own cars and doing their own thing. And I'm just here, still trying to be like a good girl and all. You get distracted. And then you start getting into things that you shouldn't get into. All because you are chasing a vision. But what you don't realize is that that vision that you want, it's not about other people's timing. It's about God's timing. Don't get distracted by everyone around you or what you think they've achieved. Let your eyes be single. Let your eyes be focused on God. Because if it's focused on God, it might take time. But when it happens, the speed of accomplishment is much faster. Guess what, guys? At the age I am now, in case you don't know, I'm over 30. When I was going back to school, most of my friends that we graduated how many years ago from college, many of them are managers now, executives. Because we're talking over 10 years now. So most of them have worked their way to like really big positions. They have really nice cars. They live in very nice houses. They've, they, in short, when you put me and them next to each other, it seems like I'm behind, right? But one thing I've learned over time, it's not about all of that. It's not even about what they have. Guess what? At some point, they are here. And I'm here. But God also made sure that I'm able to get this education so that when I get a job, I don't go from here to here. I go from here to where? It's God that redeems the time. If your goal is to achieve something and you're having to work extra hard, or it feels like you're slower than others. Guess what? God is seeing all that. God is watching. And when the time of reward comes, he's going to give you much more than you can ever ask or imagine. But you have to make sure that you're focused only on who? On him. Hebrews 12, 2. Even Jesus experienced distractions. But the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Are you enduring where you are now? He despised the shame. Is it shame? Oh, guess what? I've been driving $2,000 cars. I don't have the best cars, but I don't care about that. Because I know at some point when I want to buy the type of car that I want, I will buy it. So those people who have been laughing at me and mocking the kind of car that I've been driving, ah, shame on you. No, it's, uh, it's your time. Laugh. Because at some point, the God that has worked with me up to this point, he will elevate me, not by my own timing, but his. 
So but some of us, we are so worried about the shame. Oh, what will people say? You know, ah, man, the people will just be asking me questions. Why am I not married? Why am I not this? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? It's not about them. It's about what God is doing in you and through you. And when God is in it, the glory is greater than anything else. Finally, it is God that calls the qualified. And then he qualifies the called. Oh, sorry. He does not call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. Many of you here, you sing, Lord, use me, call me, do this. If you are God's chosen person, God does not need you to be qualified before he chooses you. He does not need you to be qualified. But the moment he's chosen you, he will qualify you. He will qualify you. And James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes from the Father of light, with whom there is no variation. God is not variable rates. He's fixed rates. Once he's going to do something for you, he will do it. Trust and believe because he's got your back. I don't know if it's an exam that you're struggling with, if it's a job you're struggling with, if it's frustration about where you want to land in your marital life, if it's relationship, if it's making the next decision. Trust God. Don't rely on your own qualification. Trust in the Lord, the Bible says, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. Let's rise up this morning.